Hey guys, and welcome back to Season 3, Episode 5 of Back to the Past Alternate History Podcast. So, before we get started, Kluka, it's coming along pretty well, actually. We've been working on it, and hopefully next week, it'll be live and ready for you guys to go. And I'm hoping that the week after that, we should have the first episode of another podcast on Kluka out. But just stay tuned to our Twitter and Instagram, at Back to the Past V1, for more information. But now, let's get to the topic. What if Japan never industrialized? Alright, so for a bit of context about the whole situation, in 1853, Commodore Matthew Perry of the United States Navy entered into a Japanese port, which caused fear and paranoia in the Japanese community. This was because, oh, how could this foreigner have such advanced technology as for the past 300 years or so, Japan had been relatively isolationist. The origins of the reason why Japan was even isolationist to begin with occurred all the way back in the year of 1639. And what happened in 1639 is that Japan closed its borders off due to the increasing amount of Christian influence in the region, specifically from Portuguese traders. Entered into an isolationist time called Sakoku. And basically what happened was that Japan became more culturally conservative and they refused to really turn into more of the Western ways. And this would only come to knock at their door in 1853 when Commodore Matthew Perry of the United States Navy went into a port and demanded to trade with them. Now, this caused a, a stir of a lot of emotions because the Japanese had heard what happened to the Chinese, specifically with the Opium Wars, along with the fact is that the Europeans were known for being pretty imperialistic as well and taking over tons of land, the United States being, of course, a, Europe, a former European colony itself. And so, as a response to seeing all these big warships that were never seen before in their entire lifetime, because remember, this was, these were warships that were huge, along with cannons, etc. And so the Japanese had never seen this in their lifetime. And so, oh, no, we got to industrialize. And so that basically kicked off the next 15 years of eventual degradation to the formation of the Meiji Restoration in 1868. And this led to a whole bunch of modernization. In fact, some historians would argue there's actually two modern, modernization periods of Japan. The first would be a cultural revolution during this time, and it's not similar to like the Chinese Cultural Revolution. It's more, it's more in terms of just the Ch- Japanese adopting more Western ways. And the Industrial Revolution also was going on around the same time in the 1870s. And it was also important to note that during this time period, there was a lot of resistance to this, specifically from Japanese samurai. When, when samurais who had been nobles for centuries almost, as a matter of fact, who had their own land, daimyos, etc., have, all of a sudden have their world shaken by peasant soldiers with guns, then that becomes a big problem. And so in 1876, there was actually a rebellion of samurai. And while it didn't succeed at all, it showed just how powerful a conscription army is compared to a bunch of elite trained professional soldiers. And this is with proper equipment, of course, compared to to Japanese swords. And so in this scenario, we're going to be theorizing, what if Japan never industrialized? How How would it change culturally? How would it change geopolitically? And most of all, how would it change, how would it change the world? How would it change the relationship it would have with other nations? So let's begin with the, mo- the most likely scenario in this case, which I believe is if the Meiji Restoration didn't happen. Warhol, what do you have to say about this? Well, the biggest thing is we could see Japan go down a similar route to China did in our time. Because China, they didn't really get the chance to industrialize. I mean, one, they didn't 
want to industrialize, they want to stay isolationist. And on top of that, they were just bartered with European colonialism, as you said, the Opium Wars. And they were just harassed by Europeans, split up into spheres of influence. So we could see Japan going down a similar route, actually. Another thing to note, though, is that Japan actually was pretty... They had a decent amount of infrastructure when this happened. So if, let's for, say, for example, a European sphere of influence took over them, they could build up pretty quickly. I mean, because I'm like... Let's talk about the Philippines, for example, which is another island nation similar to Japan somewhat. Unlike the Philippines, Japan actually had a somewhat of a decent infrastructure. So, Japan could industrial. I mean, they're not going to industrialize the Meiji Restoration, but let's say, for example, European. The Europeans might industrialize parts of Japan. Like, let's say, for example, the British had Hong Kong and how Hong Kong became this massive European city compared to the rest of Chinese cities during the time. We could see something similar in Japan, like I wouldn't say Tokyo because that's a bigger city, but maybe something like Fuku uh, something like Fukushima, Hiro Hiroshima. We could see some major city of Japan becoming a European colony. And another thing I wanted to note too is Japan actually industrialized their colonies too. So Taiwan and Korea, they a lot of they have to thank the Japanese for their industrialization, despite the Japanese horrific treatment of their of their colonial subjects, they did build infrastructure in them. And a lot of the reason why they're so modernized is because of those Japanese infrastructure. So the whole region would just be up for grabs by Europeans. And we could see Asia becoming more like Africa and the Middle East, where it's just for grabs by the British, the French, the Germans, and the Americans. It's not really a separate distinct power like it was in our timeline. Well, there's a few things that you forgot to mention there, which all, all your points are actually very good. Number one, you forgot to you forgot to mention the, probably the biggest monster of them all, and the one who I think would have the most geopolitical impact in this scenario, Russia, because Russia is relatively close to the Japanese border, as they actually had Sakhalin, which was basically all owned by Russia before the J Russia-Japanese War in our history, and we also have to look at the fact that Russia in this scenario probably would have actually taken over Manchuria, not just as a sphere of influence, and they would have also taken over Korea, as a result, and I believe this could create a huge, a very big geopolitical shifts as not only Japan being a regional power in Asia is just taken away from them flat out. Because like you said, with, for example, with British and them industrializing, for example, like I wouldn't say Fukushima or Hiroshima, I probably would prefer Nagasaki to use as an example, just because of the fact that Nagasaki was already colonized by the Portuguese in the 1600s or so, and I think that would just be a more interesting take to it. I think that would be very interesting to see what would happen with those. And I think you can almost see the partition of Japan. I don't know if the Japanese would be like, oh, we need to industrialize. But I do think that there's definitely a case for that. Furthermore, speaking about geopolitical furthermore, speaking about geopolitical conflicts, I think that also brings into uh, more of a problem, actually, when we head over to the 1900s. Because we have to realize that Japan was actually a pretty important player in early 1900s geopol geopolitics, whether we talk about what happened in Peking with the Boxer Rebellion, because they were they were part of that eight-nation alliance. We also have the Russo-Japanese War, which effectively saw the end of the kind of effectively saw the end of the Russian Empire through the revolutions of 1905, and then later, due to unpopular support because of World War One, it would be the revolutions of 1917, and I think in this scenario, I think Russia is actually better off. I don't know if we're going to see 
an uprising at all, as a matter of fact. I mean, there's always potential for an uprising, but I don't think we'd see an, the actual overthrow of the Tsar. And we also have to think that Russia is in a much better geopolitical situation as well. Yeah, I mean, the Russian monarch looks better. And another thing I want to mention is Russia is not going to really industrialize Korea and Manchuria like Japan did. So they're going to end up more like how the European colonies exist in, like, per se, like Africa or the Middle East. They're going to kind of have to deal with on their own. They're going to have to start building all this infrastructure and stuff on their own because unlike Japan, I don't think Russia's really going to take built infrastructure. They're just going to exploit it for the resources. I mean, we could see Asia just not becoming the significant player it is today. I mean, if we look at the global market today, China and Japan are by far one of the most powerful nations in the world. So essentially this could see Japan getting knocked off that world stage with Korea and Taiwan as well. I don't, I think China would also be affected by this somewhat because China, they're not going to really have a model now for industrialization. And they're not going to have, like, sure, they're going to have to fight the Europeans, but they're not going to fight the Japanese in a war, per se. Or even if they do, it's going to be a relatively simple war, per se. It's not going to be like the very, it's not going to be the victory that the Japanese had in our timeline. So the Chinese, I don't know if they're going to have the same drive to industrialize as they did in our timeline. Now, I think you put a very good point specifically because it have to, if the Chinese would want to industrialize in this scenario, it would have to be China doing it. It couldn't be Japan in this scenario doing it because if you look at history, for example, during the two main industrial revolutions, you can look at the two places it started. Mainly the first revolution, industrial revolution, which occurred in Britain, it mainly spread to European countries at first, and this would include America, of course, because it was more of a European style of culture. And it was also a mixing of almost every single European culture at the time as well, as you can see through immigration patterns. But we also have to look at the second industrial revolution, which there's two in terms of where it starts. So in the second industrial revolution actually occurred in Japan in our actual scenario. So that's basically spread to all countries that were kind of like Japan in terms of uh, culture-wise, which would be Korea, both Koreas. China also was a pretty big player. Taiwan, like if you look at a majority of them, the only one, the only one who who isn't prosperous economically right now, well, except Japan, because Japan's pretty stagnant right now, is North Korea. The rest of them are doing quite well, as a matter of fact, from what I hear. And they're pretty high tech and they're pretty popular as well. If you look at, for example, you hear a lot more people talking about wanting to go to Japan or South Korea, even China as well, actually, as a matter of fact, than you would say. Uh, then you would say, for example, like, I don't know, like Turkmenistan or even even parts in Africa as well. So now let's move on to the Great War and how this would how Japan not industrializing would affect it. And I think the biggest thing is the Great War would not really be as centered in Europe as it was in our timeline. I mean, sure, it's still going to be majority basically Europe, but now you have these massive spheres of influence, not only in China, but in Japan and the colonies she would have taken, which would have been Korea and Taiwan. And the Russia, well, you said the Russians have Korea, that's true. But still, Russia's in conflict, so you're going to have the Austrians and the Germans and their colonies in this Asia are going to fighting Russian colonies and the British colonies. So I think Asia could become a battleground for World War One too. And I don't think it's really going to change the end result, but it's just going to have more battles all across the world and really make the world and really make the war more of a world war rather than just a war fought in Europe with global powers. Yeah, I see your point there because, like, for example, like eighty percent of 
World War One's battles or skirmishes in general just occurred in Europe to begin with. So I definitely see your point there, but I do think if we're going to have the colonies involved in everything, I think that might shift the balance of power, actually, as a matter of fact. Now, hear me out here. The reason why I'm saying this is just because of the fact is if the if the British, for example, and the Russians, for example, wanted to take out German colonies and Austrian, Austro-Hungarian colonies, or even Italian colonies, if we really want to count that, what I see happening is that I think that if Britain's attention and Russia's attention is divided too much, I think we could see the fact i think we could see a potential central powers victory but at the same time with a more stable russia in this scenario i think that could also change the tides of war so it, it's really a it's really just a toss-up for me i can't say it's going to change the results but i can't say it's absolutely not going to change the results so based off your point maybe we could see a more bloodier so based off your points we could see maybe a longer war, maybe less trench, trench warfare in Europe because it's warfare all across the globe now. But we could see maybe a longer war with more battles. The end result is the end. It just has a more Im drastic impact because there's, it's longer, so there's more war weariness. If you get what I mean. Yeah, I get what you mean. It's not the fact I'm debating what you're saying. What you're saying is not true. I just don't know if the war outcome is the exact way you would say where it's, oh yeah, it's it's uh, going to be an allied victory. I do think the central powers do actually stand more of a chance. For example, if they're if the British and the Russians were divided, were more divided in terms of what fronts they were taking on. If you get what I mean. Yeah, I got you. But I mean, at the same time. The British could also just have their colonial powers fight because, I mean, India was a pretty massive power. They had a lot of manpower. And you can see this in our timeline, too. I mean, a lot of the British army during the First and Second World War were actually Indian manpower. So we could see British Raj playing, I guess, a much more crucial war and much more crucial role in direct conflict, per se. I mean, I think personally the Allies would still win because. They just had the advantage, especially with the entrance of the United States. They were going to win. And on top of that, if Russia didn't leave. Because Russia didn't really have the industrialization for guns, but they had the manpower to throw at the lines. Yeah, exactly. You provide a very very good point. And I understand why you would say the Allies still win in this scenario. And I also like the point where you threw in about India as well. I think another one you should mention would be Anzac as well, which is Australia, New Zealand, and also Canada as well. But I, Canada would be probably more focused towards Europe, while Australia and New Zealand would be more focused to that front. So you do have to bring up a good point about how the British could just simply not divide their attention. So otherwise, that'll be it for this episode of Back to the Past, the Alternate History Podcast. As Rohan said before, Kluka is underway in development, and we hope to get it to you we hope to get it to you by next week. If you want to hear more news about the process of Kluka, go to our Twitter and or and or Instagram at Back to the Past P1. And otherwise, we hope you enjoyed this episode and have a great day.